Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Ladies Talking Leafs. I'm Chris. And I'm Syl. We are well into patio season, Leaf fans. And since our last show, the Leafs have made some additions to their coaching and management staff, as well as some decisions, which most of you have probably heard about, being made with their goaltending. That's right. So to start with, uh, GM Brad Living added Derek Clancy as another assistant general manager uh, player personnel, which brings the number of assistant GMs to five. So (laughs) it's interesting that, that they, I don't know, I guess the people that were there to this point were all of uh, Dubas's leftovers um, minus Betza. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess just to run through them here. So there's now there's Derek Clancy, who who's um, he was on Trilliving Trill staff in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main thing, though, that I found out just to give a bit of background to the listeners for him is that he he spent 14 seasons with the Pe- Pittsburgh Penguins. And so he was part of their he's on the Stanley Cup. He was part of their cup winning um uh, years and uh, he was the director of player personnel there. So, so he does have definitely uh, a huge background um, or good background. And uh, the other, I guess, four assistant GMs are Brand- Brandon Pridham, uh, who we all know, Haley Wicken, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, who we also know, Ryan Hardy, who's in charge of the uh, Marley's. Um, uh, staff there and Daryl Medcalf, uh, and he's part of, uh, hockey research and development. But what they did apparently the Leafs last year, they changed, it kind of made sense. I read, um, Kyle Cushman is, uh, from the score. He wrote that last year the Leafs kind of changed up their front office and instead of labeling or giving a, a heading of, um, director, they, they are naming these guys, these, um, executives as assistant GMs instead of directors, basically. So mm-hmm. it kind of made sense after after that. I was kind of, <laughs> I was like, why do we need five assistant GMs? But the, it kind of makes sense when, when I, when I read that. So yeah, um, it was a, so it's a, it's a, obviously it's somebody, like you said, it's somebody that um, Trilliving, it's, it's somebody he picked basically. So it's just the start of, uh, of that. So, yeah. We'll see, uh, you know, like obviously um, it's good for him to have um, someone who he's familiar with uh, in in a role beside him. And um, I'm sure that they're all going to work great together as a team to uh, continue to build this team. So uh, we're going to discuss the Leafs goaltending situation a little later in the show. First, uh, we wanted to give a shout out to a charity hockey game that is being held at 7 p.m. on August 23rd at in Brampton, Ontario's CAA Centre. Hockey Night in Brampton is back this year and will be held as a benefit to raise funds for the expansion of William Osler's William Osler Health System's Peel Memorial Campus. So it's going to be creating a much needed second hospital for Brampton. Uh, the game is going to feature Doug Gilmore and Wendell Clark as coaches and players such as John Tavares, our captain, Mark Giordano and um, Brampton native Sean Monahan uh, will be there to name a few. So tickets are just $15 and can be purchased through Ticketmaster. So what a what what a better way to get your hockey fix in the summer. So get your yeah. tickets today and we are going to be there. So um yeah. you might oh, yeah. see a ladies talking leaf sighting if you do decide to yeah. come. 
Yeah, that'll be uh, great. I thought Dougie and Wendell might be on the ice for this one. But. Yeah, I thought they were going to be at first as well, but no, they're they're deciding to take on the coaching duties. So all right, all right. anyway, well, let's get into the show. And we're going to start with the best of patio season in the NHL. And uh, there is a lot of Leafs news to get to. And for our third period segment, we welcome to the show David Alter from uh, sportsillustrated.com and the Hockey News. Uh, David is also the host of the podcast Rinkwide Toronto. So without any further ado, let's talk Leafs. All right. So we're going to have some fun now um, to start off with the best patio season for NHL players or Leaf players where each of us, me, me and Sel, we're each going to pick a couple of players that we think have shown some fun that they're having in the, in the summertime uh, through their social media, obviously. So my first one, I actually just saw this. I was combing through Twitter and mostly on Instagram anyways, and I could not believe I missed this. But Freddie Anderson, he was fishing in Alaska with, uh, uh, I guess, Philip Grubar, I guess is his uh, is a goalie friend of his, which I didn't know either, um, of, of the Seattle Kraken. He's uh, Grubar's of, of the Seattle Kraken. So, yeah, I just thought it was, uh, I didn't know how I missed that. But anyways, it looked like he was having a very relaxing time, just like the way Freddie's always relaxed. He just is leaning back with his little fishing rod and uh, <laughs> enjoying life that way. And uh, and then the other guy I picked from the from the Leafs, I picked David Kampf. Um, Kampfer, he was basically he's been enjoying his time with his wife and baby boy in Austria. And it was the place that he was at. I don't know. It was it was beautiful. It was like a spa kind of place and in with the mountains. And I don't know. I just I just thought, of course, it's something that we most likely can't afford, but it's nice looking at <laughs> seeing how these players uh, enjoy themselves in the off season. Yeah. So um, definitely um, that uh, fishing trip is just totally in line with Freddie's yeah. chill vibe and yeah. Kip. Uh, he, he's always going someplace and yeah. like uh, he's yeah. either, I guess he chooses the beach sometimes and now yeah. he's at the mountains. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I picked a different Swede uh or uh, I oh different Swede Anderson's not a Swede. I picked a Swede for mine, and that is uh, William Nylander. So everyone's all up in arms about his contract, <laughs> but he is definitely doesn't seem to look like he's uh, worried about it at all, and he is uh, soaking up the good life and having fun with his buds at uh, Lollapalooza in Sweden. So like I just I'm always seeing him in his like linen pants open shirt <laughs> looking very you know very willy um yes. willy styles and uh he's usually always with his brother rasmus yeah. sandin and some other guy who i don't know who he is so that's obviously yeah. a friend of theirs yeah. um and the second person i picked is a new leaf uh max domi I'm just giving him a shout out because he's been making the rounds on toronto sports talk radio since being picked up and I've never heard anybody sound more excited to be a Leaf in my life. Yeah. I mean, maybe Michael Bunting is a close second, yeah. um, but <laughs> he sounds like a kid the way he he talks. He's just so excited and all smiles every picture that you see. And the latest one is uh, all decked out in Leafs practice gear, but still wearing the Dallas Stars pants. I think that uh, he was with Tyler Sagan and Sagan was... Uh, giving him the gears for wearing oh, yeah. those pants. So anyway, uh, yeah, no, no longer allowed to wear that color. Right? <laughs> no. According to Tyler. Sagan. So it's a kind of an odd combination. Yeah. With the, the green and, yeah. and the blue together. But uh, anyways, and going back to Willie, I mean, he's always chill. Like, yeah, that's just his style. Right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, he's not worried about, he's enjoying his time. He's not thinking about the uh, contract situation. So no. So that's good for him. And that's why he, that's why we've said before, we think he's a good fit here because he just goes about his business and enjoys life sort of thing. And then nothing really bothers him when it comes to the, all the chatter and everything when it comes mm -hmm. to the, the hockey side of things. So, yeah. But one thing we did want to mention too. So most NHL players probably think or do think that the best patio season is getting married. That's what most, uh, most of these NHL players have been doing uh, from what we've seen on social media. And 
just yesterday, uh, we want to actually congratulate Mitch Marner and his now wife, Stephanie Lachance Marner. We're going to put in her, his name there as the, as the last name. And, um, yeah, so it was, it looked like a fantastic time. Mitch doing his thing, his little dance entrance into the, um, into the, what do you call it? The venue, I guess. And, uh, yeah, it looked like a, it looked like a fun time. All former Leafs were there and, uh, and the current Leafs too. And, um, yeah. And what did you think of her dress of, uh, Stephanie Lachance's dress. Well, first I want to say that, you know, they came in all dancing and stuff to music and uh, Mitch was spinning her around and he made a very conscious effort to not step on her dress. She had a much a, a much more is strapless but much more traditional type yeah. of dress um, you know, with a flowing train and it was quite long and and yeah. he did his best to not step on it and he didn't. <laughs> um, I thought it was beautiful. She looked beautiful. Yeah. They're a beautiful couple. Uh, yeah. A lot of people were very thankful that he ditched the hat for this uh, yes. yeah. uh, <laughs> event. So, um, but yeah, they, they looked uh, lovely and everybody looked like they were having a great time. Yeah. 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 No, I, uh, I think a lot of, uh, I liked... Personally, I did like the table with Tyler Bozak, JVR, yeah, uh, Matt Martin, and Jake Gardner. Jake yeah. Gardner, he can really move, man, with the dance moves. I well, was- <laughs> I mean, he was a great skater. So True. maybe there's something to that because obviously Mitch can dance too. He's a really good skater. Yeah. Gardner had the moves on the ice and off the ice apparently as well. So yeah. Yeah. there you go. It's it's nice that they're all still so close together. And yeah, um, yeah I did. It's it's sort of sad in a way that an event like this highlights all of his friends. It's like it's yes. everybody had to do with hockey. I'm sure that she had a lot of her friends there too. Um, oh yeah. So, but yeah. you know, anyways, yeah. it just this just highlights his side yeah. of things, I guess. Right? Yeah. Anyway, but you know, while the players are enjoying their summer, the Leafs GM Bradshaw Living has been keeping busy. And for our third period segment, we have David Alter on as our guest to talk about the Leafs off-season news. So, for our third period segment, we are welcoming to Ladies Talking Leafs patio David Alter. Uh, David is the Maple Leafs reporter for SI.com and the Hockey News. So you'll also see David on NHL Network giving his thoughts on what is going on with the Leafs. And he has his own podcast, Rinkwide Toronto. Uh, welcome, David. And thanks for coming on the show. I am so thrilled to be on. Like, I cannot tell you how much I'm excited about this. Uh, just kind of interacting with you guys and just, you know, I was like, should I reach out to come on or should I wait for an invite? I didn't know. And then the summer got busy. I thought the summer wasn't going to be busy. And then it got, as you know, got very busy. Yes. And so yeah. I was really happy when I got your email last week to come on. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. We are really, really glad to have you here. So with yeah. that, since everything's been so busy, we're going to get right into it. So Chris, take it away. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's start off with the goaltending, I guess, because that's the most recent uh, updates, the Leafs goaltending. Um, so what I was wondering was with Matt Murray, how is it that he was reported like healthy and ready to go against Florida? I think it was against the Panthers. Yeah. In that series as a backup anyways. And now he's on the LTIR out for the season. Like, is there some sort of I don't know, working behind the scenes by the by the doctors there to say, like, all of a sudden, I guess he's not healthy, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is a tricky thing. Like, the, the thing about this, like, the, the most political answer about all of this in terms of why this is probably not going to get forensically investigated or, or, yeah. or anything like that is the fact that concussion issues can kind of come and go. Like it's one of those mm-hmm. things where, especially if you have a history of them, like they can be recurring. And if a doctor deems something and mm-hmm. that is what they deem, then the Leafs can do this. Now, it's important to note also that the Leafs just announced that th- this was their intention they don't necessarily have to do it between now and October 3rd. Like I actually got a clarifying email because a lot of people were kind of saying he's on LTI. He's like, well, he's not on LTI. He'll be on LTI when the time comes, when that actually matters, when they start doing the daily cap accumulation. But the Leafs put that out right at noon 
that day. And that was the exact same minute people were waiting for Matt Murray to show up on waivers for the purposes of buyout, because that was that exact window. And so that was, I think the least kind of getting ahead of it, having an evaluation with Murray and, and realizing, okay, this is what our intent is going to be. And that was just kind of effectively saying without saying we're not buying them out. Mm -hmm. And so they have this and yeah, he, he's got these issues with concussion and yes, it can be said that uh, he did end the season. You know, it was quickly pointed out that Florida had a bunch of guys playing hurt and may not start the season guys play hurt, even though they shouldn't all the time, depending on what the stakes are at. And so I'm sure there's, there's a lot of this that kind of goes around, but when it all gets said and done, this is the absolute best case scenario for all parties involved because the Leafs get maximum cap space. They don't get a cap charge for next season of 2 million that they would have had if they bought them out. They also have a deep LTI pool to work with now. Mm -hmm. uh, And they can also, communicate to Murray that, look, just because you're on LTI doesn't mean you can't come off LTI. And that happens all the time. And Vegas is the classic example of that, where it like LTI to start the season just means that Matt Murray has to miss 10 games in 21 days. A lot can happen with so many different injuries that if Samsonov or someone else gets hurt and they need to interchange the money and they get the go ahead that that Murray could come back, and could get activated, he could be at some point. Like, it's not ruled out. LTI, right. there, there was a lot of he's done for the season. I, I don't get the sense that that's a 100% definitive. Everything okay. is a punt right now. And right. so this is essentially punting that decision and giving the Leafs the most cap space. And Murray wins, too, because if he was bought out and deemed healthy he would only get two thirds of his $8 million salary for the upcoming season that is split between Toronto and Ottawa. And in this case, he gets it all. So everyone kind of wins here, despite how it kind of looks, but with concussions, it's, it is the most unpredictable thing that it's hard to prove against the diagnosis than it would be maybe in other cases, like when Joffrey Lupo was like, they won't let me play and complaining on his, <laughs> uh, on his Instagram. And then that, that led to a whole investigation. So it's yeah. a little different. I get the conjecture and all this other stuff, but teams around the league do this all the time. And the fact of the matter is the NHL permits it. And if the NHL permits it, then there's really nothing to complain about. 100%. Yeah, so, so I guess so he's, um, he's not on Roby Island then is what you're yeah. saying. Well, I mean, that was <laughs> so that, so it's funny because uh, I did mention that I wrote about that, that everyone was kind of saying that the difference with Roby Island and, and what happened there was Roby was like at training camp, looked fine and then mm-hmm. out of nowhere disappeared. And it was kind of uncharacteristic because we had not really seen that before on the beat. And it was also Lou Lamorello who was in charge. And right. so that that's kind of where all that stuff came around. And then he wasn't around to speak and there were no updates. And I think Robot even said after the fact that he did have some wear and tear issues on the knee. And so the, the, the problem, the problem with this LTI thing is that if a doctor says you're hurt and they can just say that there is different determinations that can be made that you can hurt and play versus you're hurt and can't play. And then it's just up to how you want to interpret it for your own benefit. I'll give you an example. Do you remember in the NBA when they traded Vince Carter, the Raptors traded Vince Carter Mm -hmm. to the Nets and they got like Alonzo Mourning and this whole package. Yes, 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 uh, yes. And Alonzo Mourning had like an issue, a medical issue. But when he got to the Raptors, he's like, I'm not going to play for you guys and cited the medical issue. And you couldn't argue against it. Mm-hmm. But then he was moved to another team and he was and he fine. Played. Yeah. And he played. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's up to the player and it's up to all that stuff at that point and, and what is mutually beneficial. So, like, this doesn't even just happen in the NHL. It happens everywhere where the level of how, how much you're hurt and how much a team wants you to play and the degrees of that are so widespread, but mm-hmm. for LTI rules, it's just, is this an injury that can be conceivably 10 games in 21 days? Yes or no. And how, and how a player interprets it. And clearly the player is going along with it because mm-hmm. remember the Leafs had Jared Cowan and they had to, Jared Cowan was claiming hurt oh, yeah. and the Leafs said he mm-hmm. wasn't hurt. And they had to kind of go through a third party. Eventually the league sought the Leafs way that there wasn't substantial evidence from Cowan that, that brought Mm -hmm. that. So 
everything is about what both sides will go along with combined with the interpretation. That's just okay. the, the, the reality of it all. And, but people like to, you know, the least are the least and we get, they'll get the reaction, both positive <laughs> mm-hmm. and negative. Yeah. And so this kind of happens. I wasn't surprised that this was the end result, but, um, the only thing that really surprised me is it is that Matt Murray's health kind of drew the ire of the league when they were doing those backup goalies toward the end of the season, which is why I thought maybe the Leafs might avoid any sort of conflict with the league with Murray again and just go the buyout route. But clearly they, they found this path and, and the NHL's permitted it. So away we go. Well, you know, he- I would I think it is smart on their part because the guy is good in spot starts. So like if you can play him, you know, in shorter stints, get yeah. some good games out of him like down the yeah. road when yeah. they've basically massaged the cap a little bit more and it's you know not going to harm you here and there and like you said with injuries so Yeah, and Samsonov and Wall both have a history of injuries. So like yeah. it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if out of nowhere there's an issue with one or two of those guys and they're like, Hey, let's see if Matt Murray is feeling good to go and we can unlock the LTI because that money can be interchanged all the time. I wrote about this. I cited the fact that, you know, Frederick Anderson had an injury all season long on LTI, but they were able to activate him on the final day because Bogosian and Hyman both had injuries toward the end of the season that equaled Frederick Anderson's cap hit, but they were actually able to get Anderson in, one game before the end of the season against the Ottawa Senators in the event Jack Campbell couldn't handle the playoffs, that they had a a game, a rep for Frederick Anderson in that 2021 season. So it happens. It came at a cost of not being able to use Hyman and Bogosian toward the end of the year until the playoffs, but Mm -hmm. it happens. And Vegas did it. They had Mark Stone waiting, and then all of a sudden they were able to activate him while other guys got moved around. The moving around of the LTI money is just a symptom of the cap. And For it's sure. kind of, it's yeah. kind of a don't hate the player, hate the game scenario. Lord, you really, you really remember everything. I have a strange memory. And then the Cowan one, I didn't actually remember offhand. This was in my okay. research and like trying to remember yeah, the yeah. Leafs history of maneuvering it's... around the cap. Because I remember last year when the Leafs signed Callie Yarncroke and they're like, well, now they're over the cap. They have to trade Kerfoot. And I, I wrote a thing that said, no, like they don't have to do anything right now. Like, right. yes, they're over the theoretical cap, but they do not have to do anything until they have to do anything. And, and they didn't trade Kerfoot. They kept everybody. They had yeah. an LTI injury with Muzzin four games in, and then it wasn't even an issue anymore at that point. So right. injuries can happen and you do not have to be under the cap until the day before the regular season. And there's three weeks of preseason and like seven or eight games mm-hmm. where anything can, can happen to anybody. Ilya Mikheyev got hurt and had to miss like several months because of a preseason injury right. yeah. that, that helped them with the cap. So a lot of people forget this. They just look at the surface of it and it's easy. If you don't work in math, I have a math background. <laughs> so if you don't, if you don't like look at this kind of stuff and you're just yeah. a fan and you don't care about that sort of element, you see the headlines and yeah, it looks like they're over the cap, but they don't have to do anything until they have to do anything. And, and for me, this Murray thing was strictly a punt until the next thing and getting under the cap for the next season. All right. You got any more on this, Chris? <laughs> nope. Let's get on to <laughs> Samson. It was very thorough. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So You're welcome. for all of the cap yeah. things, we know you are a go-to now. Um, all right. So you mentioned Samsonov. So he had his arbitration case, uh, which ended up with a one-year deal worth $3.55 million. Um, So on your most recent podcast, you said that you felt that the Leafs lost this arbitration case. So we're wondering, why do you think that they lost? Yeah. So, I mean, it's tough because so the other thing with arbitration is it's hard with goalies because there isn't a lot to go on. There's strict rules in terms of what both the player and the team can argue. Mm -hmm. And so I think there probably wasn't a good recognition from the Leafs side in terms of the actual goalie cases that they can argue to get down to that Mm 2.4 number. So they looked at, Alex Georgiev and um, uh, Vitek Vanisek as the comparisons. And so when you look at those guys, those were RFA deals that were signed by Colorado and Washington, I believe it was, or no, New Jersey. 
They traded, yeah. Vanisek was traded to Jersey and inherited the arbitration case. Well, they avoided arbitration. Both of those guys signed identical three-year $10.2 million contracts. So that put the AAV at $3.4 million. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think the Leafs were trying to argue there was that AAV bought two extra years of unrestricted free agency. So in their mind, that one year would have been a lot lower of a cap number, closer to the 2.4. But what ended up happening was uh, Samsonov's camp looked at Ottinger and Soros as their comparables. And yeah, those were years of UFAs bought. But in Ottinger's case, like the save percentage was kind of similar. And his actual salary for this year upcoming was like 4.8, something close to Samsonov's asking price. And so... Why I think the Leafs lost this case is because that AAV not only came in higher than the two comparables that the Leafs tried to argue in both uh, Vanisek and um, Georgiev, but they bought no years of UFAs. He'll just walk straight in. So from an asset management standpoint, I thought it was a bit of a failure that you had a guy who did this. Maybe they have different opinions and of him and maybe they're justified in it. But for all the years that they've struggled to find a good, solid first year, a guy who yeah. really just fell into their lap, really, um, yeah. that they couldn't buy at least one year of unrestricted free agency. That to me was the big loss for an AV that came in higher than those two other guys that um that got more term along with it so for those reasons i thought it was a failure i look at things from a goalie standpoint i was a goalie growing up too Mm -hmm. so i kind of (laughs) i kind of lean a little bit more into that position than maybe most other reporters do Mm -hmm. so like i'll admit that slight bias but even then i'm just looking at it it's like you've had so many problems with this position that like i don't know how that year didn't give you the faith to give them a little bit more or at least buy one more year. But now if he has the same kind of year, he's just going to walk because they're just not going to meet his price. Like I don't see it happening. So do you think I don't it would, know. Would it have been different if uh, Dubas was still here? Do you think? Because Possibly. I, like, I just wonder if this was like a bit of a gamble on Treliving's part, because maybe he could argue, they could argue that what well, you now have to show me because I wasn't here really at the helm mm-hmm. or whatever like um, i do think so because um because dubis is somewhat of a loyal guy mm-hmm. in, in that regard and dubis made it very clear and samsonov confirmed it later on that when he became a ufa after the capitals failed to qualify him that there were offers for him for more years mm-hmm. and he chose to come to toronto on a one-year to bet on himself to to show that he was worth more and that he can turn it into something. And I, I, I feel maybe Dubas would have rewarded him a little bit more, but there would still be the cap issues. And now I'm sure Dubas would know how to get out from under those, but it's kind of hard to know because the Leafs under Dubas have not really had a good strategy of goaltending to begin no, with. True. Like when you look at that track record and then he moves to Pittsburgh and he gives Tristan Jerry five years times 5.3, which was yeah. to me the most puzzling move. <laughs> like all the other moves that, that Dubas did in Pittsburgh. And I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. You have these core guys. And then the goaltending one to commit to five years when, when term was a problem with guys like Jack Campbell and everything else before that I thought to myself, this is counterintuitive. Like, I guess it's the devil they know versus the devil they don't. But to me, it, it just, it's hard to know because I do think maybe he would have rewarded Samsonov in that regard. But then I see what he did in, in Tristan Jerry in Pittsburgh and it, it totally flips everything to the point where I liked Kyle Dubas's tenure in Toronto. But the one thing that was pretty clear to me, and it's not a Dubas thing, it's, it's across the league is that they just never really handled the goaltending position fairly well and it didn't really have the same seat at the table that the other part of the game did and that that's something that's happening across the league so it's not necessarily on him but maybe because of that relationship where they where he came on one year that maybe 
they would have got that settled outside of arbitration. It's rare for for Dubis. I have to go back, but I don't think Dubis has ever had a case go to arbitration. I it's always it kind of been know. settled. Sound familiar, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of been settled outside. So it's it's hard to say. It'll be curious to see. So yeah. like you kind of already mentioned this. So you think that that Samsonov will test the market then given the the whole arbitration thing? I think it depends. I mean, I think it's January 1 when he could sign a contract extension uh, under the provision of the CBA. So I think it's going to depend on a lot of things. Um, I think it's going to depend on on Bradtree Living's opinion of him. Like, uh, it really, it's going to be like seeing how he is in the room, habits, all that other stuff, how he works with Curtis Sanford, what the coaching staff looks like. Uh, what kind of changes the team undergoes this year. It's going to be part and parcel of everything. So um, I think it's it's really going to come down to just how strong he comes out of the gate, if he can stay healthy, if he can be get that threshold of playing more than half the games, which he has not really done. I think he did that this year. He played 42 and there's 82 games. So he just barely <laughs> hit that. So yeah. if he can like get to like the 50 mark, I think that, or if he is at least on pace and doesn't get hurt, the only knock on Samsonov was that he was hurt a lot and he was playing hurt through some stuff last season. Mm-hmm. So I think they have to kind of figure out all of that as well. And in terms of seeing what they, they have in him and, and, and probably most importantly, is Joseph Wall ready to be a one, a guy? Like if he is and he's ready to take that leap, then you know, you have a different cap commitment that you can make to someone like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was a very small sample size for Joseph Wall. That's for exactly. sure. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, he still has a, I mean, cross our fingers that he will be one of the, uh, it's been a while since we've had our, like our own draft pick and to actually develop into a, a full-time goalie, whether it be James Reimer, kind of like the yeah. last, yeah, <laughs> the last so, one. Yeah. 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 All right. So final question about the goaltending before we go get on, um, I guess, the Leafs will obviously probably want to get a third goalie. I mean, you're mentioning how it could go back and forth with with Murray, but let's just say Murray's out of the picture. Do you think, like, do you see any fit for any of the goalies? That, there's not a huge goalie market out there. Like, to so so people say that, and people are quick to point out that the Leafs have a terrible time adding third goalies because, <laughs> especially like, who are you going to get that isn't waivers eligible at this point, and then goalies are the first to go on waivers at the cut of the season. So do you really want to do that now? Like you probably have to wait for injuries before you can Mm -hmm. do anything with the goalie stuff. The Leafs had Curtis McElhinney and Calvin Pickard, three and four goalies on their roster at that point, get claimed on waivers on the same day before the start of the 1920 season. That was the one Mm -hmm. under Babcock, his final year. Mm -hmm. And, And so that happens all the time. They had Aaron Dell on their roster. They were carrying three goalies because they were they were afraid to put him on waivers and waiting <laughs> for strategic time to do it so no one would claim him. And he still got claimed. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's just I don't see them getting a third goalie that they would just sign and then all of a sudden just lose anyway. Like, goalies are teams have in this like injuries all the time and. And they'll look at the Leafs right away. If they put a goalie on there, they're going to lose them for nothing. So what's really the point of doing that until maybe later in the season if you do start to have some issues? issues. You can kind of look to try and get a goalie off someone else, off the waiver wire, if that is a real concern for you. So yeah. I don't right. particularly see them, especially now with their cap constraints, signing a goalie. If it happens, then they're doing it solely knowing that this guy is gone or, or, or there's been some sort of nudge that Matt, that Matt Murray is not at all an option for the upcoming season. But even then I just don't see just given what's happened with waivers. I think they have to learn from that and just kind of wait things out with their two goalies. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So we'll wait and see on that one. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, so let's move on from all this goaltending talk and talk about the the next big story that is 
always out there. Um, and is there any news on uh, Nylander and the contract negotiation? So we heard that talks have kind of stalled. Um, yeah. He's we obviously all know that he's looking for something in the range of uh, ten million per season. Um, and now that the Sebastian Aho deal just happened, do you think that will have any impact on on what happens? I think it will have a mild impact, but I think I think the big domino to drop is Austin Matthews. Like mm-hmm. it, that's really what it is. Like you look at all the pieces that are in there. It's the middle of the summer right now, so if nothing was going to get done in the beginning, it, probably nothing's going to get done now until closer to the start of training camp or at mm-hmm. training camp when mm-hmm. it actually does become an in-your-face uh, distraction when you have people like me in the scrums and asking about <laughs> it. Yeah. So, so like right now they can kind of, you know, just keep their distance and, and do all that other stuff. But um, uh, to me, I think Austin Matthews and, and getting that deal done is probably going to be the thing that kind of moves things forward. Because even if you have an understanding and, and what you're going to do for Austin Matthews, I think William Nylander needs to see it. If there's mm-hmm. a marginal increase and there's a long-term commitment, well, then the lease can actually show, look, we're, we're running out of space for you. Um, here's what our best player did. And so this is the line. And so only then... Can I see a situation where if you're Nylander or you're his agent that you start to come down a little bit from that stance? These numbers are always like the starting points. And uh, right now there really isn't an urgency from his side because, you know, you're under contract for this year. Teams kind of play out and go through this all the time. And, you know, maybe they can use the pressure of Toronto as as like pressure to the other side to try and get something done. Like it's, you know, these are all games that kind of get played back and forth all the time. So I see this as a situation where Austin Matthews probably has to be under commitment so that there is a real contract you can throw into them and, and tell the Nylander camp, this is the line. This is where it starts. What happens around the league probably doesn't matter as much to Nylander because, mm-hmm. or his reps, because what the Leafs do and what the rest of the league have done have not been congruent for the last five, six years. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's at a holding pattern right now until you have, until you have Matthew signed, sealed and delivered, or at least a verbal understanding with Matthew's corroborating that to some sort of form or fashion, that that's how you can get so-and-so signed. Because even after that, then you have to worry about, Tavares, maybe not so much you don't have to worry about him, but you have to, but you have Marner as well. And then all mm-hmm. the other things you want to factor for 25, 26. So um yeah. yeah, I just don't I don't see it happening. I don't see anything moving huge on that, my personal opinion, until Austin Matthews is committed, because I just I don't know why you would if you're Neil Anders case. If you if you if you wear his shoes, why would you? Why mm-hmm. would you come down from it if if Austin Matthews hasn't moved from that position yet. Well, he says he wants to be a leaf. So, <laughs> well, there is that, but like, so, look, and, look, and, and sure he loves it here and all that. By but, all um, accounts, everything it, will probably get done. Yeah. But, but it needs to be on pen to paper and the term yeah. needs to be known. Like that's yeah. the only way you can bring comparables to kind of form the line. Here's the line. Let's go yeah. down and, and, yeah. and move from there. And so, they don't have that right now. And that lack of uniformity is, I think, what what will yeah. cause this to be a story for some it time. Just, it would be nice for one of these guys to just say, you know, I want to be here. Let's just sign and right. get on with it. Right. It just yeah. doesn't seem to happen in Toronto, though, for whatever reason. But yeah. with Matt Matthews, do you think, I guess, seeing that you're saying that and a lot of people are saying that he needs to sign first. Like, do you think that'll happen before the season, though? Like, starts, hopefully? Or or you think it's going to keep going? I, I think so. Um, nobody's really talking about him because everybody's saying it's basically guaranteed that he's going to sign. But, I mean... I um, just wonder if, like, the daily co- questions about it at training camp kind of force it to yeah. move along. Right. Like, right now, it's so easy to escape. Uh, Nylander's in Sweden. Austin Matthews is in Arizona. It is so easy to not be anywhere close to this stuff if you're them. 
and not right. let it be a, like your agents can handle it. And that's why you pay them an agent's fee to kind of deal that. And then unlike in Marner's case, you know, Marner lives in the city. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's, I'm sure you can tune it out, but it's harder to tune out. Like it's one right. of those things where if you're not local from here, like you don't quite get it the same way. And yeah. so you saw that in Nylander's negotiations with Dubis when it went to December 1st of 2018, I think it was. Yeah. Like whenever he signed that deal. It was like right been, on. It was right like, at 5 p.m. Right, yeah. but, but he was in Sweden. <laughs> it was so easy with the time zone and all that stuff, even with the hockey season going on, to just kind of be away from it. The only, the only pressure is maybe you're getting texts from your buddies being like, hey, we miss you and all that <laughs> other stuff. But like outside of that, if you're that far away from the, the home market, yeah. It's very easy to That's feel true. like you're in a different world. So um, yeah. I think because they're under contract, because they'll be there, because they'll be made available, that will change the dynamic. And, and um, okay. you know, it was funny. Austin Matthews got that question last year at the beginning of camp. And he, he respectfully appreciated the question, but wasn't going to comment any further on it. And it was re- his right to do so because he wasn't even eligible for a year. So right. it didn't, like he said, he liked it being here and mm-hmm. he said what he had to say, but he didn't, he wasn't obligated to answer anything else about it because by the rules, you can't, you can't do anything anyway. So mm-hmm. why would you back yourself into a corner? So, yeah. so um, now it'll be a little bit different because he is eligible. And, and so the question will kind of, We'll kind of be there. It'll be interesting to see for sure. It'll be from you and the rest of the uh, media there, right? In the scrums, like you probably, said. Probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> every day. All every, right. Not every day. Well, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the dynamic looks like. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine I would imagine that Matthews and the Leafs will be pragmatic about it. Um, yeah. But I, I just don't know how and where and everything needs to go. And there's been a lot of change this season. So I can understand processing everything like it's not like dubis was brought back and everything's been run back there's different people in the front office now um so we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah yeah like well yeah there's lots of changes like you're saying i guess like even with like the forward group obviously now bertuzzi there and um max domi obviously john klingberg on the d but all one-year commitments so like it's hard to know beyond that right like it's there's there's a lot of cap space right now that opens up next year like the most ever uh so so um plus a, a huge cap increase. And that's complicating things too i think if there was a real projection and the cap would have gone up meaningfully this year you could have had a proper projection as to what to pay these guys. But without knowing that number now, that has made it harder yeah. for sure. Right. So with all these new additions, what do you think is the next move for Trilliving? I guess, is it to get like, is it to reshape the defense? Like to try and, is that the next thing you think that he's going to try I and would, do? I would think so, but I don't know how you do it without moving money out at this point. Right. Like that's, that's the hard part. Like I looked at the defense right now, um, you know, TJ Brody's at that 5 million people are talking about him as a buyout candidate, but I don't see that happening. Um, it's one of those things where they have what they have and there's a, a unique mix there and they can add some guys like they added Max Lejoie as a depth defenseman that kind of went under the radar. I believe he ended the season in the playoffs with the Carolina Hurricanes, if I remember correctly. So like there's there's some things there, but maybe that happens only if they decide they have to trade somebody. And and it's right. clear that there is a log jam and they want to make some sort of move and there's other guys who don't want to go somewhere and then yeah, they could possibly do it that way. But mm-hmm. I, I don't see anyone on the free agent market that's gonna make a huge difference there. So maybe a trade is possible. Maybe um there there is something along those lines, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how much he can do right now, but I'm sure he'll insert himself into every conversation with anyone who's who he likes that mm-hmm. seems to not necessarily want to commit or is making themselves available. And then maybe something gets worked out there. Um, yeah. But I can see right now the roster kind of being somewhat set unless mm-hmm. something happens from an extension standpoint or something where they're like, okay, I got to make a move or, or there's just something too good to be true that that changes the dynamic of it. Like it, it yeah. can change on a whim, but right now it's hard to see this roster not being the roster going into the season without 
injuries or yeah. or issues. I guess if you look at, let's say, Mark Giordano specifically, just because he was obviously he's 39. So he's yeah. he was showing his age a little bit. Like, do you think like can Sheldon Keefe do like a load management with him? He's the perfect candidate, I think, for a load. Like he still has game left in him, obviously, and right. he loves the game to play. But I don't by doing load like there's nobody. I'm just thinking like on that third, basically the third pairing would be Lilligren and Giordano. That's what. I don't I, know I if load management is necessarily the best thing for Mark Giordano. No. <laughs> uh, only because in just my observations of him last year, he is the he is the anomaly in terms of sports science and medicine and rest and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he's even said it where he likes to just stay on the hamster wheel. Like the moment you let mm-hmm. off, like it stops. But he did do load management when the Leafs had all those defensemen last year. And then toward the end of the year, he said he was dealing with something or Sheldon Keefe said he was dealing with something that he didn't play in that last game against the Rangers, I remember. Okay. Um, But then in the playoffs, he said he was fully healthy. And that was the worst we had seen of Mark Giordano all season long. Like to the point where he was the seventh defenseman. And I think it was out of respect that they just weren't going to scratch him. Like right. in a normal six defense pair situation, mm-hmm. if it was anyone else who was seven, you would just go 12 and six. But because right. it was Mark Giordano and given everything else, I think there was a respect thing. So mm-hmm. I was I, always concerned yeah. when you have the oldest player in the league that you just never know when it's going to stop. Like right. you just mm-hmm. never know. And it's like at that age, it's not precipitous. It's just one day you wake up and it's not there. And right. so I wonder what has been happening this season for him to kind of show that he can get back on track. And so he'll get that opportunity. Yeah. But if he plays like he did toward the playoff to start, then that's that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. But it, again, it's a mild cap commitment. That's an easy contract to not worry about. And then they can kind of do the mm-hmm. Jason Spezza thing where if a team – if they do put them on waivers to save the cap space, a team, they could just make it clear any team that takes him, he's just going to terminate and not play. And then they just do another thing. Like that's an easy solution. So, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. so well, I, I don't know. Of, I, we got rid of Justin Hall, right? <laughs> well, Justin, yeah. So Justin Hall got a lot of money and Detroit has done some really interesting things. Yeah. Don't know if yeah. it's going to work out. There's a lot of depth ads there. Um, but yeah, so there's no Justin Hall. That's the big change on defense. So there isn't that solution, but you know, outside of that, I'm really curious to see how Sheldon Keefe operates his team without, without Kyle Dubas there. Like Mm. I'm really, this is the first time we're going to see a Sheldon Keefe without that kind of influence. I'm curious to see if it's different. Like we know the staff's different, but, um, outside of that, yeah, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about that on our show in previous episodes too, that I it's it's a chance to see for him like what he who he is and what he yeah. is with with a different sounding board than what he's used to having. So it could be even better for him potentially. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I still wonder about that. Brandon Shanahan is still kind of like True. up here. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder but I am curious about it to see if if he does things a little bit differently. Like I always go back to the times where, um, like I remember being in New York in January 2022 when the Leafs lost in the third period. Uh, funny enough, Ryan Reeves scored two of those goals, um, and then <laughs> Sheldon <laughs> Keith, and then Sheldon Keith tore into the team and said his team played soft and purposeless. Yeah. <laughs> and then then the very next day in a practice. In Long Island, he had to walk back those comments. And me personally, I don't think he should have. No, like yeah, I, no. I, I felt he was totally right in the assessment. And I always wondered if it was different people around if he would have. So I don't know. That's just I don't know if it would have been any different. But that's but these are the things we're going to watch for in Sheldon Keith in terms of how he handles things going into the season because. Um, we've seen him on edge when the team has not got out to strong starts and the last two seasons have both been tests of that. We always forget because the regular season looks good in the end, but both of those seasons started very, very wrong. Mm -hmm. And so you wonder how this will start and we'll see, 
we'll see his patience with this because, you know, he was left twisting in the wind to not know if he was going to come back this season. Yeah. He got the go-ahead. There's a couple of new assistants now. And uh, one of those assistants was going to be handpicked by Brendan Shannon to be the head coach back in 2015 and hasn't been around the league except for analyzing it on TV for the last few years. So I am very curious to see this dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Guy mm-hmm. Boucher, you're talking about yeah. there. And uh, yeah. And then um, what was the other Mike Van Ryan? Mike Van Ryan. Or yeah. Ryan. So what yeah. was really interesting about that was the press release came out and you know, we knew there was an opening for one and it wasn't clear in terms of who was going to do what. Yeah. And then Sheldon Keith did make himself available and then explained it. But to me, the most puzzling thing about this is you have two defensive coaches now, mm-hmm. uh, like that, that kind of do the same thing. Although one is going to handle more of the PK and one's going to handle more of the defense. And it just, it's an odd, it's odd. <laughs> um, like the Manny Holtrop in the booth, fine, I get it. They did kind of have that in Paul McLean. That kind of makes sense, but it's odd to have two defensive coaches there now. And um, yeah, I'm 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 really curious to see this it's, dynamic because yeah. it almost seems like you have the pieces in place in the event you need to make some sort of change. Right. Um, but uh, I'm not necessarily saying that's going to happen. Um, but you know, yeah. just given where Sheldon Keith came yeah. from at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and, and just given Guy, where, how close, how this close Guy Boucher came to being head coach of the Maple Leafs back in 2015, it's certainly interesting for sure. Yeah, but bottom line, it's up to the players, though. It's not uh, yes. like, I mean, they've been here for long enough now. Is I think it's yeah. going to be going into the eighth year of the Shanna plan, or whatever yes. they want to call it. And uh, yeah, they... They need, they're the ones that need to get it done. They're on the ice, and uh, you can have however many coaches, assistant coaches. It's uh, it's it's up to the, the players on the ice to, to do it. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Okay, <laughs> lots of time. So, <laughs> let's uh, wrap things up a little bit, and uh, we're gonna do a little rapid fire kind of question period here with you. So, you may or may not know our show is all about the fans and for the fans. So, we like yep. to get to know a little bit about the fan in our guests. So, you up for it? Yes. All let's right. Let's go. Okay. So, okay. Chris, take it yeah. away with the first one. All right. So, to start, easy one to start. Who was your favorite hockey player growing up? Ooh, okay. I have kind of two answers of this. One's okay. a leaf, one's not a leaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite leaf was Felix Podvan. Well, I guess he became a leaf, the other guy I'm going to talk about, but yeah. not when he was with the Leafs. <laughs> the other guy was Owen Nolan. I always no. loved Owen Nolan when he was like, you know, I was a video game guy. Like, I love that goal he scored on Hasek in that All-Star game where he, he <laughs> Babe Ruth pointed at it. Yeah. And then I remember when the Leafs acquired Owen Nolan, even though it was a bad trade in hindsight, I was so excited I got his jersey that day. Like, cool. I was so, uh, so like, but like my favorite player kind of growing up was kind of Felix Podvin on the Leafs okay. because I was a goalie. I was playing goal at that time and I liked the whole cat persona. And yeah. he was the last of the acrobatic goalies. Like as they moved over to the butterfly, mm-hmm. I feel like he struggled with that because he was right. all reflexive and reactive. And, you know, Patrick Law was able to adjust to it. But a lot of goalies like, like Podvin didn't. And you saw a real change there. So. Yeah, that's my answer. Like Pod Van and then non leaf Owen Nolan era. All right. Okay. So, uh, other than hockey, do you have any other sports that you love? So, like, what's your like second go to? Yeah, football for sure. Like, I'm wearing a Detroit Lions ha- ha- hat. Oh, actually, yeah. um, I actually thought in my career I was going to be an NFL reporter. Like, when mm-hmm. I was working at the fan back in the day, I was actually assigned to cover the Bills Toronto series back in 2008. Okay. It really did look like an NFL team was imminent coming to mm-hmm. Toronto, just given the money that Rogers was pumping into the Bills. And I was going to Bills training camp a lot and going to every home game, whether it was in Toronto and Buffalo. And um, I had come up doing a lot of football. I used to call football games at Western for the campus radio station and mm-hmm. Like play by play is still a passion of mine and all that stuff. So for me, it was, um, football was always kind of number one in that regard. And I, and I, I love it. I love the way the NFL kind of does things. And, uh, I was a big Barry Sanders fan growing up, which is why I'm a Detroit Lions fan. So football okay. is definitely my go to, but I love all sports. Like I can watch anything almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I'm with yeah. you on that. I'm like that too. I like everything. Yeah. Yeah, the FIFA. 
FIFA Women's Cup, I guess, is uh, the soccer. Uh, yeah, I've been watching that now, right so, now. Yeah. I've been watching that um, when when it's been on at a suitable time, of course, just because <laughs> yeah, of the, exactly. the, the time change and just been following the whole like drama behind uh, the ladies not making themselves available for yeah. um, for media, which mm-hmm. seems to be a story now. So yeah. I'm just kind of curious about that just because I know they're trying to grow the game. So I wonder if it was counterintuitive to that. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. But that's going to be a big game. They need at least a point against a really good team. So yeah. that's going to be tough. Yeah. All right, so you travel a lot, obviously, following the Leafs every game at home on the road. Um, what's your favorite road city and why? Oh, I have several, um, but my <laughs> number one, one. <laughs> my number one is New York. Like yeah, it will always okay. will be. It's my favorite city, even when I'm not traveling for work. Like uh, I love the energy of living in a big city. I love like when you go to games, like the passionate fan base. New Yorkers are really passionate. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you can hear and feel all the emotion. Um, sometimes I wish there was more of that at Scotiabank arena, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I love going to New York. Um, in 2012, like I have extended family who live there, but okay. in 2012, uh, Sportsnet co- sent me to cover lockout negotiations in New York, where I almost spent a full month there. Wow. And, um, wow. And like, I just felt like a kid in a candy store. I loved it. It was <laughs> yeah. great. Um, I, I just, I love everything about the energy of New York City. That's my number one. I'm All with right. you. You can feel it. Like as soon as you like, you know, we, we went actually to see a New Jersey game one time, <laughs> yeah. but we went to New York for the day. And like, as soon as we went through to the, and got off at the other end at the Port Authority, like you could just feel it. It's like got a vibe. And I, I do, I, I love New York as well, yeah. but yeah. we have not been to a game at MSG yet. So that Ooh. is, is on our list. Yes, you have to. Yeah. I've yeah. been to an MSG. I actually, the first golden Knights game I got to see, there were a couple of years where I wasn't covering the Leafs. And, mm-hmm. uh, in 2017, I went to go see the Rangers and Golden Knights at MSG that in their first year. Oh, wow. And uh, I just loved it. The energy of MSG is phenomenal. You got to do it. Okay. That, build, on the list. that building, when you just look at that wagon wheel in the room, yeah. you can feel the history. Like <laughs> well, you, you have the vibes in the city. You get yeah. more of the vibes when you walk into that arena. Then there's so few rinks like that now. Right. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it's yeah. definitely on our list. Okay, so we've noticed that you post lots of food from different <laughs> rinks that you visit. That's so, like TikTok. Yeah. Yes. So yes. in your opinion, which NHL arena has the best food? And what's your favorite go-to item that you have to have? Yeah, okay. So number one, and this pains me, even though there's a preseason game in Detroit this year, which I'm not 100% certain I'll go, I probably will. Um, but um, this year, the Leafs do not have a regular season game in Detroit. Because Ooh. they're playing that game right. in Sweden, right. which I'm not complaining about. Yeah. That's not, that's not, that's going to be cool <laughs> in its own right. But, um, the Detroit media meal is in a whole other, at, like, oh, echelon okay. within itself <laughs> compared to any other league. It is not just the Little Caesars pizza. Cause yeah, it is Little Caesars and all that. First off, you're getting yeah. the best version of that. That's mm-hmm. like if someone at McDonald's handmade your, your, Big Mac to look like how it would on a commercial. So that's one. But two, like I, I shared it on on the story, but it is just this long buffet that just goes forever with like salad, <laughs> different like six different proteins to choose from, like everything. So many desserts. It is right up there. It is so amazing. And uh, yeah, like now at talking about it, I am going to make sure I am missing a few days of the preseason this year for the first time. Like I'll still be at every other game, but for the preseason, uh, I'm a huge U2 fan and they're, and and they're playing the MSG sphere and a colleague of mine got tickets for the opener on September 29th. So I haven't seen them since they like in in years because they didn't tour after the pandemic yet. So uh, anyway, I, I'm mm. deviating, but yeah, so, so, um, Detroit is hands down amazing and I'm getting hungry just even talking about it because <laughs> it is around lunchtime. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, little, little Caesars arena there is, uh, is, that is a great building yeah, too. Like, great, yeah. yeah. We've yes. been, we've been there and that is, it is a fantastic building. Yeah. 
It is. I'm actually going to Detroit next weekend for SummerSlam for, uh, with some friends. Uh, so, so, um, I'm excited to just kind of walk around downtown Detroit. It's, it's a great city now. Like it's uh, like, there's just a lot to do. And I have friends who, whether it's housing or whatever, just decided mm-hmm. to move closer to the border there, like whether it's Windsor or whatever. So they have all the real estate, but then have all the big city amenities across the border. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've really change that area um, mm-hmm. of downtown Detroit. So yeah, no, we, we definitely want to get back there again. Uh, I got to go to a Lions game, but I just, it hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't fit to the schedule. That's the hard yeah. part. All right. So last question for you, I guess, getting back into the Leafs though, do you think the Leafs right now are better or worse going into the 23, 24 season? <laughs> I think they're better. Yeah. And so, uh, and I'll, I'll end it on this. Um, the one thing I like that Brad Tree Living has done that Kyle Dubas didn't really do in his tenure as general manager is, and, and this is not a knock on, on Kyle at all, by the way. I think he did a really good job in Toronto. With Brad Tree Living, the signings that he has made, you know exactly what those players are. There is no doubt about what those players are and their roles. Like maybe there's a little bit of interpretation as to where Max Domi fits in because he can kind of play both. Mm-hmm. But you know what he is. You know what he's capable of. Under Dubis, because of cap constraints and all these other things, there were a lot of these money puck type bets. A lot of them worked. Some of them didn't. Michael Bunting worked. Nick Ritchie didn't. Like there was <laughs> there there were a lot of but but the pluses outweighed the minuses, and then there was a solution that the Leafs were able to figure out for when it didn't work. Like even with Peter Mrazek didn't work, but they were able to figure out a way outside of Mrazek's obligations by trading him to Chicago and moving 13 spots down. What I like this time around is when I go into it, I see these players and I know exactly what they are. And so for that reason, I do think they are better this year, but there are massive long-term questions about this team. Like that's, that's the big problem right now. But for this upcoming season, I do think they're better. I like the moves, but I like that there, there is a, you know, exactly what they got in John Klingberg. There's defensive issues, but you have a guy now who is undisputed. The number one PP guy for this year. Like there is no question who's going to be on PP one for this year where that was always up for debate. You know that Tyler Bertuzzi is going to be a top six winger that brings that snot, piss and vinegar that, uh, <laughs> that Jim, yeah. uh, that Jim, I called him Jim. That's the first, I knew it. I, I made those mistakes <laughs> before, uh, that Brad tree living has, uh, has done. So there, there's a, there's a difference. There's things that maybe the regular season won't be as good, but I like, I like how, they're suited for the playoffs. Like I, I've always, I've always felt people discount what the regular season and the playoffs are. And like, I was the only, like, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I was the only person predicted Florida over Boston. And then I, I predicted Florida over Toronto too. I have yeah. the Twitter receipt for that. Um, but, <laughs> but, but like, I, I do think there is a recognition that they have to add some things that make them better for the playoffs. And I, I like, I like the moves because you know exactly what you're getting in those four big guys that they got. Okay. That's a good, good spot to end it on. Yeah. So we both thank you, David, so much for coming on our show. And we hope to have you on again at some point. It'll be my pleasure. If you can fit us in because your schedule is like so busy. So, but uh, but we will try to make it work. Um, Anyway, everybody, you can keep up to date with the Leafs during the summer and all season long by following David on Twitter. His handle is at the altar and find his podcast rink wide Toronto, uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Also be sure to check out David's articles on the Leafs at the hockey news and si.com. So thanks so much, David. Thanks, David. Thanks so much for having me on. It was uh, my pleasure. Yeah. So thanks again to David Alter for joining us for our patio season. Um, yeah, it was great. David has a wealth of information. He know he he can he can talk Leafs forever, basically, really. And he's, yeah, I mean, he's in the dressing room. I'll, like the listeners there, I'm out there. I'm sure they they they've seen him um, asking questions of Sheldon Keefe and at the press conferences. So yeah, it was it was great to have him on. And beyond that, like he really does his homework. Like he, he is up on all his facts and we did discover he is 
a perfect go-to for anything cap related because oh, yeah. by his own admission, he is a, a math whiz. So yeah. <laughs> um, that's super helpful. Anyway, before we go, we want to give a shout out to some of our listeners. And in this, this time around, we're going to give a shout out to our listeners in the U.S., Chris, did you know this month our listeners in the U.S. actually eclipsed our Canadian listeners uh, by a very small margin? Yeah, so no, I, I I was really surprised when yeah. when Syl told me that. I was yeah. like, wow. So it just goes to show that U.S. listeners are starved for leaf content during the summer. So we are happy to provide. So anyway... Just a reminder to everyone, just to hit that follow button wherever you listen to our show, Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app. That way you're not going to miss any content. And you can also find us on the Believe Network at Believe.com or on our website, LadiesTalkingLeafs.com. And be sure to follow us on social media. We are on Threads, uh, the new social media platform. Form. So, um, yeah, just check us out there as well as uh, Twitter or X, whatever Elon Musk wants to call us and uh, or call it uh, Instagram and Facebook. Our handle is at LTL1917. Check us out there and um, we'd love to hear from you too, our listeners, right? So leave, leave us a rating or review and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, it's easy on Apple and Spotify and it's important for our show to get more exposure as a source for Leafs content. And we thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Don't forget that you can easily leave us comments on YouTube. And that is just great for our community to basically keep the, the dialogue going and, and just get to know each other and talk about everything to do with the Leafs. Anyway, another way to help us is by visiting our Kofi page at Kofi.com. You can follow us there. And if you choose to, you can support us by buying us a coffee. Any donation goes to helping us produce the show and making it even better for you. So you can find the link to our Kofi page on any of our social media uh, platform pages or our show notes. Yeah. And as always, we want to take the time to thank our healthcare workers and first responders for everything that they do. And we want to thank you as always for listening and watching till next time. Go Leafs go. go. Do you believe? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.